just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. Hey there, Scott. How's it going today? Doing well. Doing well. So this is our last recording before we head to Burma. So we've got our QBR here next week and then Burma is the following week. So it'll be two weeks off and then the three of us will get together and do a post Verma recap, which should be fairly exciting. So we'll see where that goes. But other than that, fall is in the air here. We were at the pumpkin patch over the weekend. So that was a fun family thing. And then my wife finally fully supported my love for blue and orange on Saturday and took me to the blippy show with the kids. Now I'm a gator, which is the correct blue and orange to be chasing. But instead there I was at blippy on, on Saturday afternoon. And Conrad, you have to know who blippy is. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm very blippy savvy. Unfortunately, I find it a little annoying and reductive. There's certain kid stuff that I watch that my kids like watching that I really enjoy. My daughter right now loves sing. Have you seen sing and sing Two? those movies? Love them. Fantastic. Like get up and dance, like such high energy movies. Blippy, not so much a fan of it just is what it is. And uh, yeah, other shows, they watch them a little bit more on board, but you got to sometimes let them watch what they're into. And certainly the blippy phase is one that I'm familiar with, unfortunately. Blippy live is, uh, is as good as it is on TV, Conrad. Okay, good to know. Good to know that they the, the keep the quality and the childlike yes. behavior up. Very straight so. and consistent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was worried. I was worried. Adam, how are you doing? Any blippy lives in your future? Or I see the long sleeve shirt has fall sprung in the Outer Banks, sir. Fall, fall has sprung a little bit. I, I see everyone out there surfing in, in wetsuits. I have not gotten my wetsuit on yet. But uh, yeah, it definitely is a little bit chillier down here. As for blippy, uh, anyone who watches it, you can relate to my next statement. But I am a fan of blippy number one, not blippy number two. So take that to the bank. I want to meander a little bit at the beginning, and I I like to do this as a storyteller who pulls these pieces together. So I'm going to meander a little bit, uh, go on for a couple minutes, and then we'll jump back into the guests. But I'm going to tie these pieces together. So as usual, I'll start with the sports. And I really think that the, the reason that I've grown to do this is I'm seeing analogies with what I'm doing with sports and the teams that I'm involved with and what we're starting to do on the business side, but also in the industry. So I'll tie, I'll try to tie a, a few of these pieces together. So first of all, I guess this is primarily for Conrad more than anything, but the Tom Brady nephew scenario is a positive. He's gotten the start. So hopefully at the end of the season, we'll have some updates about all his successes. So I'll leave that one to the side, but I've got a couple updates on the soccer side of things. So really big crosstown rival last night, Manio, huge win, two to nothing. My guy got the first goal. And then, which is the the best compliment you can get as, as a dad, plus a coach, his coach comments to me afterwards in text, and this guy's won state championships in this area, built out the soccer program here, sent his son to App State, which is D1, and he texts me after the game to say that my son is the most coachable that he's had in a very long time, which is like one of those things that's like, yes, all right, you get it, you're doing what coaches ask, so that's a huge compliment. But the bigger vision that I've got right now has to do with the club that we've been talking about over the last few months, and in the spring... I was worried that it was going to fall apart. And then I opened my view a little bit and looked over at Manio and saw that there were some players that I could add to the team. This past weekend, we had our first tournament and we did fantastic. We lost the championship by one goal, but we won three out of four, four games. And it's this new team that we put together that I was able to bring these players onto. And the corollary that I would bring now into the industry and what we're doing is that was me looking for a gap. I was finding out, hey, where can I get more players? We lack players here. How can I find more players? And I opened my view. It was right in front of me the whole time. It was just me now looking at what was there, looking for the gap. So the next level of that is I've actually changed my thinking to long-term thinking. And this is where I think the biggest difference 
with what we're going to talk about today and the correlation into the industry is. I think that the short-term rental space, vacation rental management, has been stuck in a cycle of short-term thinking for a very long time. So with my team, I've gone over the last two and a half, three years of coaching this, trying to hold this team together season after season. Can I get people? Can I get it together? Now that I feel like I've got a really solid team, I'm now looking five years in the future. So on the Outer Banks, when someone wants to play in college, they have to go to Virginia, or at least that's the thought process. You can't come out of the Outer Banks and, and get college scholarships or college coaches to notice you. So I'm actually switching that. I'm taking that perspective and saying, I'm not sending any of my kids to Virginia. I want to see if I can get some kids out of the Outer Banks to play college soccer. I think that we can do this. Now, the correlation to the industry is I think the vacation rental managers and vendors, and that's an important distinction. I think software and vendors in this industry are the exact same situation. I think we've been stuck in short-term thinking for a very long time. And now that things are getting tough, I think that's going to exacerbate that. I think that people are going to be stuck in this short-term planning. How can I solve the immediate revenue issue? How can I solve the immediate reservation issue? And they're going to lose focus of this long-term thinking. So this brings me back to where we are today. We're bringing Stowe back. He was with us a few episodes ago. Stowe's background is amazing from a hotel Cornell side of things. And then he's also got vacation rental experience. So Stowe's perspective, I think, helps us, one, see the gaps that I mentioned. What are the gaps that can be easily exposed? But then beyond that, how do we start thinking long-term? Because I think one of the strengths that the hotels have had is they've had a, a long-term vision for a very long time. Now, I think the other component, and this is where I, I want our conversation to come today, is can vacation rental scale? Because that's obviously the bigger difference with hotels and vacation rental managers is the disparate nature of vacation rental management. So you've got these large corporations and hotels that are thinking long-term, and then you've got these individual managers, individual software vendors that are thinking really short-term in the vacation rental space. And I feel like that's what's dragging us down. We're not thinking about that grander vision. And my concern is with all the variables that are coming together now, do we fall even further behind because we're only going to think short term? So I'll get off my soapbox, flip it back to Conrad. But still, thanks for joining us again. That's yes, great the, to be on the show again. I appreciate it. Yes, though. Welcome back. We appreciate having you here again, for sure. And a lot of threads pull on there with Adam's intro there. So I, I don't know which to go first. I guess maybe we'll start with the hotel piece, because I guess I'm curious your point of view on that, because you spent some time studying that. How do hotels think about that loyalty kind of angle and approach? Is it... Are they just thinking about in terms of long term, if someone's loyal to this brand, they're going to stay city by city? Or do they think about it on like a per property basis? What's your research and studying led to you in that area, in that department? So great question. So I think fundamentally, we have to think about what the hotel business is right now and what it's morphed into. And really, essentially what it is, it's really become very much a real estate play. And that the, the major brands like Hilton and Marriott, et cetera, they don't own their own hotels. They own, they basically, they sell their brands to entrepreneurs. So I'm an entrepreneur. I, I want to get into a business so I can get into the hotel businesses. If I'm very wealthy, I'll buy a Ritz-Carlton. If I don't have a lot of money, maybe I'll buy a Hampton Inn. And so what happens is in the hotel space is hotels compete for that entrepreneur to have their brand, or we talked about it, their flag. So what happens is, you know, usually there's always a management contract, the length of time it takes that they have to own the property or own the flag. There's usually costs involved in terms of making sure that your brand 
represents the brand. You have to pay for the loyalty program, all those kinds of things. So as an owner sits down and says, okay, I have a great piece of land. I want to put a property in there. What flag do I want to carry? As a way to move away from the management fees and all that, the hotel brand can say, we have X million members in our loyalty program. They spend this amount of money. We know that they travel to this location. So we can guarantee heads and beds. So loyalty is a way for the brand to say, we can put heads and beds so the owner knows that they're going to be have a full hotel. So that's on the brand side. On the individual property side, what happens is Stowe comes into the hotel. Now, Stowe may be a Hilton Honors member. Stowe's in Philadelphia one day. The next day, he's in D.C. Because I'm part of this loyalty program, the new Hilton that I'm staying in knows all about me. And so I don't have to retrain the hotel on how to, that I want an extra pillow, right? That I need an extra blanket. I don't have to call down to the front desk, ask for it. It's already there. So now I'm going to become more loyal because they know me. And anytime I stay at a a Hilton, because that's where my loyalty is, I don't have to educate them about what I want. They already know. So there's really two sides to it. There's the operational side at the property level, but there's just the strategic side in terms of how do I grow the number of properties and the number of, of brands and really the number of entrepreneurs. Uh, there was two things there that you said that interested me. One was the the fact that the hotel is making certain promises to the developer or to the person that has the funds to actually build the property. Adam, maybe I'm curious your perspective on that because it, it seems like the the order of operations is actually completely different on the vacation rental side, which is that me and my wife want to get a mountain getaway. So we go buy a property in Asheville, a cabin, and then we think, oh, we can make money renting this out. And then we reach out to the management companies after that. And then if we're savvy, maybe we interview a few. So it seems like even the, you know, just from that starting point, how do we, how does the inventory, how do the rooms or how does the property cabin house vacation rental, et cetera, even come online is completely different, right? Is that house first property manager second, as opposed to what Stowe was describing? Do you think that's a fair assessment? I do. And I, I had a similar thought and I was thinking about it from the perspective of like an author with a, a new, a, trying to put a book out and he wants to grow his newsletter list and, and your book, you get a higher book contract with the larger newsletter list, right? So it's almost like the brands, the hotel brands have this really deep newsletter list and the brand is worth more because their list of loyal customers is more. And then it's enticing for the developer to go with that brand because they've got such a, a deep list of loyal clients. And I think you're 100% right, Conrad. That is the exact opposite on the vacation rental side. Now, I'll take one step back and, and we've we've gotten away from using this word. At the beginning, we were saying blind spot a lot. And I, I want to bring that one back because I think this is a blind spot in the industry. And I think it's been this one for a very long time. I don't think, and I, I do also think it's a blind spot in the hotel industry, to be fair. I don't think that either side understands the other side. And as I listen to Stowe and as I read the documents that Stowe brings to us, I'm I'm amazed at the depth that hotels are thinking about what they're trying to accomplish. Loyalty, frequency programs, all of the pieces that touch that. So the full guest journey from the time they pick up a phone or touch a website until they time to leave that property and then all of the follow-up. We try to do that in the vacation in the rental industry, but it's not nearly to the same scale as hotels or, or the same efficiency and, and outcome. And I think that we're missing, and me included for 15, 16 years, missing getting into the details around what those differences are. And I think we skirt around the edges 
And we're probably doing a disservice on both sides, not getting into the really deep specifics. How has this not occurred to us before, Conrad, that it's completely different, right? This is a completely different model just from the first statement that's still made. There are different incentives when you break down that model. The brand is completely different. You're almost starting from scale on the hotel side, and you're starting from the exact opposite of no scale on the property management side. Where do those two come together? And that's ultimately where I'm struggling, but I'm very interested in your perspective on this. Do you see vacation rental managers or the overall industry being able to scale in the same way that you think about hotels? See, I think the, the really, so you have to go look at what caused the scaling of the hotels. It, when hotels first started, they weren't, they were owned by individual properties. And you look at, I think it's interesting to think about Marriott Corporation, okay? Marriott used to own and operate its own hotels. And in 19, in the late 80s, when we had Black Sun, Black Monday, when the market totally crashed, Steve Bolenbach was the chief financial officer of Marriott. And what he did at the time was he said, wait a minute, we are limited in terms of how we can grow because we own and operate our properties. And what he did is he split Marriott into two companies, Marriott International, which was the company that that operated hotels, and Host Marriott, which was a developer which owned hotels. And using Host Marriott, then he went out to insurance companies, he went out to private investors, got money to invest in Host Marriott, so then they could buy and operate hotels. So initially, when the hotel business started, it was very much like the vacation rental. Individual owner owned a property. But in order to scale, in order to be better, they had all this money tied up in an asset. So what they needed to do was they needed to figure out, how do I grow my business? Okay. And the idea was I grow my business because when we when it comes really down to the core, what is my core competency in the hotel business? My core competency is I... It's developed over time, but initially it's, I know how to take care of the guest. I can pro- provide a great operational experience, right? Now I can, I'm limited by how much money I can make by my physical footprint. But if I can take my core co- competencies, which is really understanding how to take care of the customer and spread that to another property, right? And then the more properties I have, then I can lower the cost of my overhead because I charge each property a fee. And so for and when I think about vacation ownership, what you guys have, the biggest threat that I could see to your business would be, or actually that may be a big opportunity, is a private equity person says comes in and says, hey, we're great at hotels. Why don't we take a look at vacation ownership? Why don't we go in and start buying up a lot of vacation ownerships and become a brand so now I have vacation ownerships all across the country. So I'm filling that niche between a hotel brand, which are similar across all locations, also filling that niche between Airbnb. So now I get to the Airbnb by a vacation ownership, but I also get the safety of the brand, but it's a vacation ownership. And the way then that you have to pull all these together is when we have to have some kind of loyalty program, we have to somehow pay the customer to identify him or herself. Because if they don't identify themselves, then we don't get all the power of our knowledge that they've stayed across different properties. Does that make sense? 
I think for my end, it does stow for sure. And I think the hotel just has a huge built-in advantage, right? Because they can have this labor all so centralized, right? So even if a vacation rental manager had this a private equity investor that you're describing, Stowe, I feel like they still wouldn't have this easy opportunity to scale because let's say someone is going to give, or right, let's say Scott's going to do operations and I'm going to give Scott $10 million to go acquire a bunch of different homes in Ocean City, just as an example. Scott, you're still in a tough spot because what are the chances all those you know properties are still in the same location, right? You're still going to have a challenges just physically. One might be on this side of the bridge, one might be over here, one might be over here, et cetera. And then if you put them all in the same location, it's almost like we're back to the hotel conversation. It's just, we're calling it something different. It's tomato, tomato. So I guess I'm curious, Scott, your perspective on that idea of scaling through the equity, then owning it. Very few companies that, that I work with, certainly on the vacation rental side, own the assets. Maybe they have, what's a common scenario for me, I think, is that the owner might have two or three, but then he manages 50 others or 25 others. So I guess I'm just curious your view of what Stowe is saying there about equity and capturing the property. Yeah. So, so it's funny because if as I take a step back and, and I, I wrote down like the asset light model, which is essentially what the hotels shifted to. But if you look at it, and this is painful to say, doesn't it feel like Airbnb is on the right track. Essentially, their the Airbnb is doing what the hotels did from Stowe's explanation, right? They built the, the marketplace. They yeah. built the marketplace and they're looking in Conrad, in, in the inverse of your example, they're able to bulk them together because they're not looking for one people. They're looking for whoever wants to participate, right? So they're building it. If you look at this, Airbnb likely has the best shot at this. I think I, I would even put VRBO off to the side because I don't think they're, I think they're missing that the components of Airbnb, but it would seem to me that Airbnb is closer. And I think they're attracting the right people to, to think about all of the 2019ers we've talked about, the short, the STR people. They're essentially doing exactly what Stowe described in the beginning. They're looking to say Airbnb is the best way. They've got the right clients. They've got this program. They've got it all set. I pay them 3% and I'm in. And essentially, that's what they've done. Conrad, is my step back in this is we keep saying loyalty, but but it, I don't know that loyalty is going to work for us. Is there So is there a step before a loyalty program? Because quite honestly, right, I think what we're really trying to get to from a vacation rental manager perspective is we say loyalty, but what we really want is loyalty to just us, right? We want repeat guests. All right. we're really looking for is them to come back to us and do it direct. That is the lowest level of loyalty that we're looking at our threshold. And we want to be recognized by them. But I think that may be the first step into loyalty from a vacation. Oh, so Stowe has the answer to this. But Stowe, before you go, I want to just layer in one more thing, because I think it, it even gets messier than what we've talked about. And this is, I, I think, the essence of the difference between hotels and, and vacation rentals is vacation rentals by its nature is just messy. So the way that hotel, the way that Stowe described the hotel setup is very clean. And Scott was able to put in one term, right? Asset light. Let's go find the developers. We'll give you what you need. And now you've got this hotel that stands up. We break that discussion down in, in a very short time into all these different layers on the vacation rental side that becomes very messy. Now, let me throw in Europe, because I think Europe is actually the ones that have done what we're talking about. Scott, you, you mentioned that Airbnb is the closest. I agree. Probably in the US, that is. But if you go over to Europe, Europe actually does this. The vacation rental management companies 
the largest ones over there manage like a thousand, 90,000 homes. So they don't actually manage it. They're marketing arms for that. So they might manage small pockets of their inventory, but the brand overall is very well known to the consumer. And then in addition to that, which I think is probably the difference, and I don't know if they do this, but you could see it, it going this way. Airbnb doesn't have any ability to push things down other than suggestions. Whereas if you become a brand and associated with a brand, they can start to push down standards down to those operators. And I think that's what hotels are trying to do, right? Marriott Homes and Villas, Hyatt, Choice tried to do it. But at the same time, we haven't seen any of them become successful. So I think that's the challenge with all of this. And I'll layer in the, the answer, but still you layer in the details behind it. But Scott, I think where you're going is frequency versus loyalty. And I think, Stowe, to your point, looking through your documents is frequency becomes that initial part to gather data and loyalty comes after that. Is that right? Yeah. So I think, so essentially loyalty and 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 some of the stuff that I've written, really, we talk about loyalty on the three components. We talk about the loyalty circle. So I think, and I'll talk about that in a second, but for many years, um, um, Four Seasons did not have a per se loyalty program. But what they had was a database that kept track of every customer, right? When you think, go back to the, the hotel business years, many years ago. They, and when I started in the hotel business, we had at the front desk, we had the GM's book. And in the GM's book was everything about the customer who was checking in. And we hand wrote it all down. And that became the Bible. And so when still walked into this hotel, everybody knew him, right? Because the GM had the book about Stowe. So as technology came, all that got suddenly replaced by we put it into Excel, right? And now we can put it into Salesforce or any kind of databases that are available. Now, that is great. And so as we're, if we're having an individual property, we don't need to create a loyalty program per se where we're giving points and miles and all that. All we have to do is make sure that we're keeping track of the individual customer and we're knowing all about them so that they always want to, everything I said before, they always want to stay with us because we know them, right? We have a sense of comfort. As we start expanding out, right? And maybe, and as we become more of a brand, right? We're just doing the marketing. We don't own the property. Then we have to be able to make sure that if I'm staying in location A and I'm staying in location B, even though there's different owners, I have some way to identify Stowe so that he can stay in both properties. Now, with Four Seasons, they were able to do that because the management fees were high, right? The long-term contracts were high. And so there was an incentive for the owner to participate in that program. And so for the vacation ownership, if you have two or three properties and you're managing themselves, having a simple database where you're keeping track of your guests, then and you're able to communicate with them in a way that makes them feel like they're loyal. So I so the articles that I sent, and I'm happy to share this with any of the readers, is what I call the loyalty circle. And the loyalty circle is composed of three components. There's the process. And that's everything that happens from the time the customer thinks about doing business with you to the time they leave. There's value. How do we add value to their stay? Whether it's financial, temporal, functional value, emotional value, making the people feel really special. But then there's also value recovery. What happens if we if there's a service failure? 
And then the final part is communication. How do we communicate with the guest? And the idea is that you could be great at the process, but if you don't communicate the proper way, then you're going to lose that guest. And a, a good a quick example is my wife and I went to a, her favorite property. And so I booked it way in advance about, and we used to go there all the time. About a month before I arrived, I get a, a letter in the mail. This was a long time ago. <laughs> my name is spelled wrong, right? My wife has her PhD. And she's just listed as Miss Shoemaker. We're offered a two-for-one spa if we book at a time we're coming. And I went to the GM who I knew and I said, why did that happen? And he goes, oh, I'm not surprised. We outsource our database. But if they had sent me a letter and said, hey, Dr. Shoemaker, you and your other Dr. Shoemaker, we're so excited you're coming back as a repeat guest. We're happy to give you a two for one spa. Total, same offer, but presented totally a different way. So what I would urge vacation owners to really think about is what am I doing to create that process, understand the process of value and communication with each of our guests so that, that they don't have an incentive to go somewhere else? Or if I do own multiple properties, say, hey, Dr. Shoemaker, we, you loved our property. You're going to love our sister property that's in a similar location, but it's closer to where you live. That's how I think you build loyalty. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Conrad, do you you probably have the best sense of this being in the marketing world, talking to a lot of different vacation rental managers that are your clients. Do you get the sense that we are starting to do better in this guest journey? It feels like for me over the last 15 plus years that I don't know that we've gotten much better at this. I think some of the larger operations, maybe they get a C minus as opposed to a F like the story Stowe was telling there where they just miss the basics or they go sideways on the details. I would say some of our clients are getting more into that like you were saying, the loyalty activation with regards to like email marketing, the idea of I'm going to reach back out. We have a client we work with where you get pitched the home that you stayed in last year. So if you stayed at home XYZ, you're going to get pitched home XYZ in the top of the newsletter. When you know when you get that one year later, do you want to book again type email, that one year booking anniversary email? So some of those automations do exist and we've helped people set that up, but it's always ad hoc. It's always not necessarily the core part of what we're focused on. It's always like an add-on piece of, yeah, we're doing like the monthly newsletter and sure that does go out all to all of our past guests. But to like Stowe stories there, it's not personalized very effectively. It's just like, for the most part, it's, hey, you stay with us before, want to stay with us again? That's the gist of what we're sending. Let's be honest. We obviously make it look a lot nicer and we put useful content in there and that sort of thing. But that's mostly what people are doing. And before well, you hit, yeah, I'll, I'll use sports as that quick analogy again, but I, I've got a question to go back to you, Conrad, on that, because I'm hoping that we're iterating and doing better, but I, I just don't know. So in sports, I can see this generationally. When I played soccer, it took us a long time to, to learn because it was brand new. You look at Europe and, and they crush the US because it's generation after generations for hundreds of years. I'm coaching these U15s now, and I, I would say they're two years ahead of me just because they are getting soccer from the very beginning. The sport is catching up. So back to you, Conrad, do you feel... Like we are iterating and learning from what we're doing. Are we getting better at what we're doing or are we just doing the, the same things? And, and that's, I want to ask that it's on the vendor side and the property management side, because I wonder, are the vacation rental managers not doing it? Are the vendors not guiding and pushing the right things? I don't know if we're getting that much better because I think that marketing, especially over the past few years during the COVID run has been lower on the priority list. So if that's not your number one problem or your number two or your number three problem, if you have other problems to deal with, it's not top of mind. Therefore, it doesn't get actioned or it doesn't get moved forward in a meaningful way because you're like, yeah, like sure, it would be nicer if more guests came back and booked with me directly. But 
we have all these other problems. We can't get a cleaner to show up on time and do the job properly. We can't get this thing done. If Acosta's trying to undercut us on commission, we got to deal with that. It's so many other things bubble to the top of the list that I think Adam is just priority number seven and it just doesn't get shuffled up to the top. So there's not a strong effort internally. Like it's rare that I get a contact form or a lead or someone that we're chatting with on that first call. And it's, if only we could activate all of our past guests, we'd be good. We wouldn't even need Airbnb. That's never the conversation. The conversation is always, how do we get more direct? I need more traffic. I need more visibility. I need more of this because they don't think about reactivation of past guests and, and loyalty or even the loose idea of loyalty as Stowe described it, of just someone coming back and staying again. They think of it as just, I need more traffic and that's going to solve my problems typically. Yeah, and if you flip that discussion to what we were having before, what is the difference between vacation rental and hotels? I And I'm, I'm curious about your feedback here, but I would argue that the hotels probably have that as like, their central guiding star. And we're having that as like issue number seven that maybe we'll get to someday. And that seems like a significant difference. Yeah, I think what we've what the hotel business has been really able to do is they've really understood what we consider, we call the lifetime value of the customer. And let's be honest, hotels weren't always doing the great things they're doing now. Okay. I wrote the case study on Hilton Honors that when that we published at Harvard Business School and that that came out in 2001 okay only 20 23 years ago and we wrote that case really around 1990 2000 and at the time Hilton was two companies it was Hilton International and Hilton Domestic two separate owners same name Steve Bolenbach the gentleman from Marriott became chairman of Hilton he created Hilton Honors as a marketing gimmick to help tie the two brands together. So they created Hilton Honors. They become a program that then if I'm staying with a Hilton International, but I'm staying with a Hilton Domestic, because from the customer's point of view, it was still a Hilton, right? And then he used that as a way to eventually buy, buy Hilton International and merge them into the same companies. At Core, the big French hotel company, I helped them with their loyalty program in probably 2004, 2005, when they decided to go asset light. They used to own all their assets, right? So it's not like the hotel business has been doing this for thousands of years. What they realized was they really began to think about, in order for me to grow as a brand for Hilton, right? And once they became publicly traded companies, Everybody looks at same store sales. So how do you increase your revenue? You add more stores or you add more revenue to the stores you already have, right? So they had to figure out how to do that. I think in the bay and, and what they learned was to think about what's the lifetime value of that customer. In other words, they used to always think about just getting more new customers. If I have a customer that I love and they love me, and I look at, and I can get them coming back over time, I can actually calculate what their value is to me today. So I think that the key is for, to get marketing moved up to the top is not to look at it as a cost, but look at it as an investment. In other words, if we keep our customers a certain amount of time, each of those customers is really worth X amount to us. So we need to spend the money to figure out how do we increase that lifetime value. And maybe on another show, we, if you want, I can take you through some calculations on how to calculate the lifetime value because it's not as difficult as we think.
I, I think the trouble that I've had in conversations around that before, Stowe, is so this would come to head on like our end of things when we're doing pay-per-click advertising because we're paying Google every single time someone clicks, we're paying right. Google a fee. And then on the front end, they may say our commissions are 20%. Our margins are only, let's say, 20% of that number. So a $1,000 booking, the only money that we're putting in our pocket is $75 when it's all said and done. So it, it, may, it doesn't make sense for us to pay a dollar per click, if it takes 150 clicks to get a conversion and we're paying 150, um, that $75 doesn't work out. Because here's, I think, the trouble with that conversation with a lot of the operators that we deal with, Stowe, is that they they can't fund or they don't see a path towards funding what you're describing. It's You're correct in that year two, year three, if that person comes back or X number of percent of people come back, they're going to earn that money eventually. But in the short term, they're just like, I got to pay my bills. This is going to come due on the credit card in 30 days as far as what my actual cash flow situation is. And yes, two years from now, I'll be happy that I have this list of past guests that I was more aggressive in marketing. But I feel like they're in this survival mode almost and they don't think about the long-term value of it. It's also, we had Brooke on previously. I also think that's the homeowner conversation as well. And Brooke talks heavily about the lifetime value of getting that homeowner into the program, but you might have to pay pay three, four, five thousand dollars of marketing costs to sign one homeowner. And long term, Brooks 100 percent correct. That math works out very favorably for the property manager. But in the short term, it's like you're paying five thousand dollars, you're getting one homeowner, but you're certainly not getting that five thousand dollars back anytime soon. It takes months and months. So I think the interesting part of that conversation is the time that it takes to get that money back. It's like the the lifetime value discussion is very valid, but it's also how long am I planting that seed in the ground before it comes back around my way? And I feel like that's the sticky part of that part of the conversation. So I'm really curious and still I'm glad that you emphasize that hotels haven't been doing this great forever. And that obviously sends promise back to us. And I'm sure that long-term we're going to figure out all these pieces and we're going to, we're going to develop a really strong industry stronger than it is today. But I I think the curious part for me is the short-term and that's where I was going to in my, my uh, meandering dialogue at the beginning is that I think that the challenge with this industry is we've been stuck in short-term thinking for a very long time. And it's not just the property managers. It's not just the homeowners. It's the vendors and the software that is behind this industry that's stuck in short-term thinking. We're not thinking about where the industry is going. We're not thinking about where technology is going. We're not thinking about how to build loyalty three time, three years down. To Conrad's point, we're thinking about how do we pay the bill in 30 days? And that's been the nature of this industry since it developed. So still, how do you think hotels shifted from where they were not doing a good job at it to more of that long-term thinking? I think so. When we think about the long-term thinking, you also have to think about the individual customer long-term, but you also have to think about the power of that individual customer to spread positive word of mouth. And what is the value of word of mouth? If we have a great customer and they have a great experience, are they going to tell their friends? And what's the likelihood of their friends then booking our property? So I think the, the way to get around the lifetime value is to say, if I'm focusing on loyalty and we're looking at all the components of the loyalty circle, which I mentioned, research has shown that person who feels an affinity to my property is more likely to tell my friend. And my if I believe my friend and they say, hey, where should I go? And my property's named, now all of a sudden, I'm going to get that new piece of business that may I may not have gotten, right? And so looking at the, the cost of word of mouth versus the cost of pay per click. And I, I in, in the book I wrote, even, well, actually in both the books I wrote, I give an example. It was a great case study from Harvard Business Review about Frankenmuth, a very you know well-known place in Michigan. And the lifetime value, the value of word of mouth, calculating how much that is worth in terms of future revenue. It's incredible. And I've done research with some casinos in Singapore where we actually calculated the lifetime value of the customer 
by just asking four simple questions. So I think the way to think about it is think about by spending money and making sure we have great customer satisfaction, we're creating loyalty and encouraging them to tell their friends, hey, when you leave, put up a great thing on TripAdvisor, put up a, a great comments on whatever, then all of a sudden you're going to get more revenue. And that's going to help with the short-term goal. Scott, I'm curious your perspective on this from the operational side of things, because I feel like that's a heavy load on the vacation rental manager too, right? This idea of, I have so many pieces that I have to do for the turn for the, when a problem occurs, I have to roll a truck out there and fix problems. So I feel like to Adam's point, the short-term thinker would say, let me do this. Let me band-aid all these problems that might pop up in the property and let's just get to the next guest and get to the next guest and get to the next guest. What's your perspective on that? As obviously that's not the right approach. So what is the right approach? How do you keep the guests happy so that this word of mouth that Stowe was talking about is actually activated and not just, eh, it was okay. That's what a lot of stays might end up being. Eh, it was okay. Yeah. So, so Conrad, it's interesting, right? Cause I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm taking a bunch of notes, but I think it starts all the way back at the beginning, or if you're an established operator, I think it starts with, are you servicing the right properties that are going to bring you what you want? The reality is pick your product, right? There are some companies that, that are okay, Conrad, right? I think maybe this comes down to, are you an STR or are you a VRM? And what we basically said with Alex last week was STRs are just churn and burn keep as many coming, Conrad, more leads, more leads, right? And just keep it running. Vacation rental manager, what we've said is we're the ones trying to pull them back in. We're the ones trying to get them there. And I think Conrad, it, it starts with what what are you offering, right? What homeowners are you working with and what are you offering the guests? And, and I think that's the quickest path to you have the right product. You don't have product A, which is, oh man, when people stay here, we're golden. Product B, which is maybe... And then product C, right? That's where the trucks are and, and we're all in. So I, I take it to even Conrad, right? We're spending money on marketing makes sense. I put making, putting care into the properties in advance of season and saying, hey, and we went to our owners, Conrad, and said, and I forget the number we landed on. It's it's around a thousand bucks and basically said a thousand dollars up front. And we're going to go in and have your unit ready. And, but that's the only time we're going to hit you for maintenance. We're going to use whatever we need of the $1,000. We're going to squirrel the rest away. When you have a random issue, we're just going to draw from that and handle the issue right then and there. We're not coming to you asking you for anything. We're just ready to go. So operationally, I think it's just like the marketing conversation of it's expense and it needs to be upfront. Hmm. So back to you then, Adam, on the marketing side, we, again, the challenge that I was elaborating there is this idea of lifetime value. It takes time for it to accrue, but word of mouth takes time to accrue as well. Back to this conversation with, with, with what Stowe was saying, it's like, you don't always see the benefit right away. And I've seen this with clients where the first year of operations or the second year, maybe they were getting going. You just have to, I call it hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? You've just got to win every guest over one by one. You've got to win every owner over one by one. But then it seems like if you're in a single market, you can reach this point by year two, three, four, where it's it feels a little more like you're knocking something down a hill. There's some momentum you have. In fact, we had a client who paused all of his ads and yet he still got a bunch of traffic coming to the website because people knew the company, they knew the brand. And that's something that I look at. How many people are searching online? And this is easy to figure out for the name of the individual vacation rental property manager. And you can find that out pretty easily and see, oh, this is going up month over month. This is going up year over year. And I think those are good like digital metrics that tie into what Stowe is describing, word of mouth, brand affinity, those sorts of things. So curious your perspective on that and how it ties together to inventory quality. 
Yeah, so I, I think Scott is nailing an important piece that we hadn't discussed on this particular episode, and that is the STR versus VRM. I, I do think that's a significant difference because it's a, a significant difference in the way that you want to look at your operations, but also look at the marketing and the marketing spend, spend and, and what the overall goal is. I think that what we're talking about here is more along the lines of vacation rental management. But at the same time, I could argue that you could set up a similar brand or a different type of brand for STR. You just have to know what you're going after and what is the way to, to best go after that. Now, with that aside, going back to your point, Conrad, I think that if I take a step back, and, and this is what I've been trying to do on this podcast, but really over the course of my career is trying to look back and see where are the gaps and how are all of these pieces coming together. So if I look back at the like last 15, 16 years that I've been in the industry, I think we've gone through some cycles. I think at the beginning, and I got in about 2008, so whatever prior to 2008 up until let's say it's 2012 or so, we're almost establishing ourselves as an industry. Hey, we can do this. There are professional managers who know how to do this. We've become an alternative lodging source. Then Airbnb hit the market and all of a sudden there was a lot of marketing and momentum that came behind that and people got associated with it. They understood what it is, but the numbers were still really low. COVID obviously sent that through the roof, both guests as well as managers coming online. I think we're in a, a period right now where we're going to shift all of that back around and we're going to release some of the people at the bottom of this market whether it's guests, whether it's homeowners, whatever it is. But at the end result of this is I think we're professionalizing. And that's why I'm excited to hear what Stowe is saying, not only from a loyalty perspective, but also from a perspective of hotels not always doing this well and they had to figure this stuff out. I think as an industry, we're going through this process where we are professionalizing and that these discussions are exceptionally important for all of us as an industry, but also as individual managers and operators because we have to start thinking about those long-term thoughts. We have to start thinking about the right properties, the right unit mix, as Scott's talking about. We have to think about what is our business model? Are we STR? Are we VRM? How do we develop loyalty? How do we develop brands? I think all of those things are happening now. And Conrad, to, your, to the point of your question, I think that we're going to find people who have short-term thinking right now and are focused on paying the bills at the end of the 30 days and other managers who have long-term thinking. The people who have long-term thinking, my argument is that those are the people who will drive this industry. Those are the people who will be successful and long-lasting. That's the brands in five, 10 years when we look back at vacation rentals. I think those are the brands that win in the long-term. But to answer your question, I think that it's exceptionally difficult. Word of mouth takes time. The loyalty programs take time. We don't have any of that in this industry. We literally have to build that. People have tried it, but they haven't done it well. So we've got to put all of these pieces together right now. But we have to have the people who are willing to take a step back, feel like they're financially stable enough to take that long-term perspective and then start to build this. And that's on the vendor side too. I want to keep mentioning the vendors because the vendors are part of this discussion and they've also been part of what's held this industry back. They have not innovated in five plus years, partly because of COVID, partly because of the VC money that's come in here. But the software side of this industry has stayed stagnant for way too long. And as a result, we're going to see a lot of those vendors disappear and hopefully new vendors come in and start to fill some of these gaps. It's just the natural course of things. VC money is going to dry up because it's not going to get the returns. The property management companies are going to leave because they're not seeing the results and the, the support that they need. As you look across this industry, what do you think is getting cut? It all is development and support across the industry. 
Yep. And, and that's unfortunate. So I don't know if you have any stories from your study and research and expertise on that. What What's the hotel approach to all that? Did they always develop their own in-house tooling and technology? Are they using vendors? Do they have more control well, of those pieces? I think certain companies started to develop their own in-house and they realized they, it wasn't their core competency. Mm-hmm. Um, and other technology companies have jumped into the fray. There's a, every year there's a conference called High Tech and it's promoted essentially by Hotel Sales Marketing Association International. And they had all the tech people come together and talk about all the latest cool stuff that's happening in tech. So they've really, the tech companies have really driven into the business. And I think one of the things that I encourage your listeners to think about, and it's when we think about long-term versus short-term, what we never want to forget is that our customer is changing. Our customers are becoming more knowledgeable. Like I'm an academic. I loved being an academic 20 years ago because kids would come in and I was God. I knew everything, right? Now I walk into the classroom and they say, tell me something I don't know already that I found on Google or I found on GTED. So as our customers are changing and, and they have so much more access to information, they're traveling more, they're reading more, they're reading reviews, they can tell when things are good and when things aren't. Right. We not we have to think long term because we have to think about how is our customer changing? How is their behavior of buying our product changing? Right. And how do we then make sure we're at the forefront of that? Right. And Airbnb is really a distribution channel. They just figure out a way for people to easily book a hotel room. Right. Or a guest room or a room somewhere. Right. Cheaper than a hotel. And and so. We have to be always thinking about who's not in our business, but could be in our business. But at the end of the day, we control the guests. We control the experience, right? Airbnb is only as good as once you start seeing a lot of complaints about Airbnb, people are going to go, I'm not going there because I never know what I'm getting. So they're trying to do a lot of things right now to build up that brand. But we're seeing the customers. We're taking care of the customers. And because vacation times are short, right? And we're, we work two weeks to earn, we work 52, 50 weeks a year to earn two week vacation. We want to make sure that we're spending that vacation in a great place. We're going to go search for it. We're going to talk to our friends. And so I think you'll find the lead time on word of mouth much more quicker today than it used to be years ago because yeah. everybody's on Google or on everything. I made a several hundred dollar purchase recently on Amazon Stow, and I spent all of three minutes looking on Amazon. And I went, this this specific piece of technology I need, it's actually for the recording that we're going to do at the RMA. It's like a mobile recorder, so I don't need to bring around my laptop uh-huh. everywhere. I looked at it and I went, this particular product has 15,000 reviews and 14,900 of them are five stars. I'm pretty sure I'm going to trust those 15,000 people that let a review and they went through the process. So I looked a little bit, I looked at the reviews and then I just popped into my American Express and there we were two days later, the piece of technology showed up. The kid, younger version of me would have sat there and looked at YouTube and tried to like research things for a lot of time and been like, oh, it was better to go here. And I made that decision, like I said, in two or three minutes, once I saw all the reviews, the second product had 2000 reviews and there was some three stars and five stars in there. So when you win, like in that word of mouth conversation, so I guess that's what I'm getting at here. You can win big because people, yeah. and I've seen this in the vacation rental world. It's like a property becomes well-known. This is common in like the, I want I make a really unique property. There's like very notable short-term rental properties, like the invisible house, like this potato property, these different things where they get so well-known that it becomes its own brand almost in some respect. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can win yeah, it that way. It's the Kleenex. But I think one thing I want to mention that was brought up earlier 
it's not that hard to get people to give positive word of mouth or give word of mouth. And I was I was teaching for many years, as I think I mentioned on my last broadcast of, in the exec ed program at Cornell. So I worked with big hotel companies, small hotel companies all over the world. And I remember this one pro- small property in Vienna, Austria. And she goes, how do we get on word of mouth? How do we get people talking about us? And all I said was, take your business card. And when people leave, say, thank you so much for your stay. If there's anything we can ever do for you, here's my card. And on the back, it had specific examples of how to go on and paste a, you know, a, a review. Now you can just do it as a QR card. Take a, If you really liked your stay, take a picture and put that on there. And actually, last night I was at an event and I was talking to a, a woman who's in behavioral health. And she goes, I need, how do I get more customers? And I said, when they leave, give them a business card with a little QR code on the back and tell them how they've helped your family, right? And the idea would be is, hey, if you had a great time, don't you want your friends to have a great time? Don't you want to become known as the person who knows? Take this and we'll help you become the person who knows, right? And you'll find that just by normal interaction, word of mouth will increase. It's not that hard. One thing that we've talked about, Stowe, is that those interactions actually, unfortunately, in our world sometimes don't happen because you book online, you get a uh, a code emailed to you to access the door code, right? You then arrive at the property, you punch in the door code, you walk in the, the property, and then later you have the, you leave on Saturday or whatever, you hit the door code that says you're out, and then you're out and you never actually interact with the company. So like uh, we, when you were telling me that story, I was thinking of Nordstrom. I don't know if you ever go there, but whenever you finish the oh, transaction yeah. at Nordstrom, they take the the bag and they don't hand it to you over the counter. They walk around the edge of the counter. Well, at least they're supposed yeah. to do this. I don't know if they all do this, but <laughs> in my experience, they do this sometimes. They walk around the counter and they hand it to you like person to person. There's not this big desk in the middle or kind of checkout stand in the middle of you. And they're like, thank you for shopping with us. We pre sort of thing. They have this like human touch element to it. But that interaction that you're describing, unfortunately, still a little bit easier at a hotel resort property where you might check out at a front desk. Very challenging sometimes in the, at least to make it a personal connection in the vacation rental world, because we don't have that kind of interaction. That makes it more challenging. But I, I guess the question that I would, so I would look at that as, so given that challenge, mm-hmm. then the question becomes is, where do we have the opportunity to provide that interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not, is there a maintenance person? Is there somebody around the property who can at least make it their goal to give out X number of these cards? So we don't want to say, oh, we can't do it because we, you know it's all these things. Right. The smart operator will figure out, how do I create that personal connection? Because now all of a sudden they meet the maintenance person who says, hey, I hope I took care. I hope I did a great job. So your room was perfect. I'm Sam. Anything I can do. If you left something in your room, here's my card. Give me a call. And then he had that on the back. And then they remember how was your stay? Oh, we met this guy, Sam, who the maintenance guy. And he's just amazing. But what I would encourage the listener to do is say, these are the challenges that stop us. How do we figure it out? Because if we don't figure it out, Someone who maybe has never been in the vacation business is going to figure it out because it's just common sense. To them, it's common sense. So that's a change of mindset. Yeah, right. On. Scott, isn't that exactly what we talked about uh, some time ago? Is that the maintenance person might be the only person that they interact with in person, but we didn't have Stowe's idea at that time of that's, that's actually your chance to drop the card and have that personal connection. Yeah, yeah, it, it is right, and and that's and and Conrad, you got the grin, and so did I at the same moment, yeah. right? Because that's the hook is. 
I think that moment still exists. And quite honestly, I think that moment could be even more powerful at that level, being the maintenance folks or the housekeeping folks. I, I think they actually bring more power to the brand than Adam or I dressed up at check-in to say, oh, hey, thank you so much. I think they actually bring a more genuine interaction with the guests. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, right on. Adam, your perspective on kind of those interactions. And one thing I was going to say as well, before you get into it, Adam, we have a client who sends a video. So it's that personal interaction. So obviously it's not in person, but they turn on their webcam. They look at the camera. Adam, thank you so much for booking your vacation. You're going to come down here in Myrtle Beach. I see you're coming with your family. We look forward to hosting you. This property you're staying at is great. I'm going to send you two restaurant recommendations. If there's anything I can do, let me know. I've watched these videos. They're 20 seconds. They're not long. And this client that I'm talking about can do 50 in a day if he needed to, but it, it is trying to mimic that personal touch a little bit. And you can Tell. I'm mentioning your name. I'm talking about the fact that your family, oh, you're coming from the Outer Banks. You can tell it's personal. It's not something that was just done in a mass way. And I think there's ways to recreate that. But sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to tell a story there. I was curious your perspective on that too. Oh, I love that video idea. That's a fantastic one. They're so easy to do and they're so easy to create now. And it takes a very short amount of time. Someone before we used to go in and have to collect all the keys and put a packet together for everybody who checked in. Now shift that resource because we talk about this all the time. Technology should enable hospitality. Shift that resource into sending out a, a few of these videos. And my gosh, what a great connection you all of a sudden have. Overall, that's where my excitement for all of this is. And when I hear Stowe share these, what might seem like common sense suggestions and all of us light up as a result of it, that's where I think the excitement is in this industry. And I think that's where the opportunity is. However, I think that a large portion of this industry has always been in short-term thinking. And I think they're going to get ingrained in short-term thinking as things get more and more difficult within the industry over the next few months, 18, two years, whatever it might be. I think that short-term thinking is going to predominate. And I think people are going to fall away as a result of that. All of a sudden, those bills after 30 days aren't going to get paid. And we're going to see a significant shift in this industry from homeownership, from managers, from vendors. We're going to see a landscape change. Now, the opportunity, I think, is that those of us who start thinking long-term and start thinking about professionalization and start inputting the processes for these common sense mentalities, like that is a simple process that we could all implement. Every time a maintenance person goes out there, they have this card, they've got the QR code, now add Stowe's incentive to it. Hey, I want you to get X number of these cards out. You don't have to get them to everyone. You just have to build the process. So overall, Conrad, to, to your question, I'm just really excited for the opportunities that are in this industry because- we're well-established, but we're not professional. Now is the opportunity for us to professionalize and really do this at a high level. Yeah, right on. I would argue, a, go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry. I would say you have to, we have to professionalize because our customers are expecting it because they have a lot of choices. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that was a very good point, Stowe. Our, our customers are changing. We need to listen to them. We need to understand them. And to your point, the expectations are higher than ever. Not only are they well-informed, but we've got a whole new group of clients that are coming to vacation rentals from hotels that have completely different expectations. So we've got to professionalize as quickly as we can. And one thing that we didn't say, maybe as the last thought to what Stowe was saying there, is the barrier to entry in our industry, Stowe is a lot lower. Anyone who can get a mortgage, basically, it's not as hot now as it was obviously two years ago when rates were 3%, now they're 8%, and that same property is a lot more expensive. But if you can stomach the cost, we could all just get together and go buy four different vacation rental homes in different locations. And two, two three days later, we're up on Airbnb and we're, we're rolling. Whereas building a hotel, there's it's just harder. Like you're gonna, It's going to take longer to actually build the infrastructure. And like you said, get the flag set up and brand. There's a Once you build that hotel, you might feel like you have a little 
little bit of a head start. You might have a little bit more of a, a, a moat around your business to some degree. With a vacational business, it doesn't really exist. And a lot of our clients that we've worked with, unfortunately, I felt that pinch over the last few years of hundreds and in some markets, thousands of new homes coming online and competing in the same marketplace, which makes it more challenging for sure. And the way we build that moat is by creating a database of our loyal customers and keeping them loyal and looking at how we communicate and how we add value to them, how we understand their process of booking and sending them that video of a month before they arrive saying, hey, we're so excited you're coming. And we build that, I hate the word, but it's used all the time, that stickiness, right? Because we own the customer and anybody can build a house, but if they don't have the customer to put in the house, it's going to be empty. And so what we need to do and right now, what I recommend is figure out how do we build that stickiness with our customers that we've had with us in the past. And that would be my kind of final thought. Awesome. Look, well, I, I'll, I'll just add in Conrad, you Go probably ahead. know this better than anybody, but I don't think this industry has done very well with, with guest lists and past guests at all. That is a, that is a, a gold mine waiting for us to execute. In fact, it's very common so that we begin to work with the client and they don't know how many people are on the list. They don't know the source of that list. They um, haven't sent to that list in months. In some cases, we started working with someone and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I maybe sent one a few months ago. And uh, to your point, Stowe, that's their relationship. That's their chance to actually build an advantage. And that's one thing their competitor doesn't have. Their competitor doesn't, maybe they have more money. Maybe they have better brand. Maybe they have better access to marketing or whatever the case may be. But the Picasa or whatever other company might be in the market that might be quote unquote bigger than you doesn't have that list of 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people people that have stayed with you. That's your list that you can do something with. And a lot of people don't do a good job with it. Unfortunately, I was going to say I've done a bad job managing time and I don't think I did a great job in the outline, but it's because the conversation with Stowe is so great that we end up going in different directions. Maybe a, a third time guest, if you're open to it, Stowe down the road as your time I allows. would love to, would love awesome. to. Awesome. Thank you. Adam and Scott, anything else we should bother Stowe with here before we let him go for the day and let him out? Into his no, I, I think round three is the definite because we barely touched the outline. I did but a I, job. I, I did a two-star job on the outline today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the only parting shot I would take at this, Conrad, is I think we're getting closer to everyone recognizing the value because finally everyone's now freaking out that Airbnb is not going to allow communication and they're really going to work to block email addresses. And suddenly this is the moment of panic. So I think at least there's a group of people that are realizing now they, they've got to have that side of it. That yeah. it, it's there, it's there, and we're realizing it now. To Adam's point, now we got to actually do things with it. And to your point, now you take it and you run with it. But at least people are alarmed now that they're losing it. The seed has been planted, but they've got to water it and give it a fertilizer for it to grow, right? Yes. <laughs> Adam, anything else here for Stowe before we depart and put a bow on this one for today? No, not at all. I think this was a great conversation. Very excited uh, for the opportunities in the industry, but also to chat with you again soon, Stowe. Thank you for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. I'd love doing it anytime. I'm always available. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you, Stowe. We appreciate you. All right. We'll catch everybody in the next time. If you had a good time listening to this episode and you appreciate Stowe coming back for a second time, we would appreciate the fact that I've done a bad job in the outline shouldn't deter you from leaving five stars <laughs> on your podcast app of choice. So we thank you and we will catch you on the next episode of Art of Hospitality. Thanks so much.